Welcome to episode 464 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, take welcome along to episode 464 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, thank you. And you? Oh, you know, it's getting dark, isn't it? It is. No weather report today. We've got to stop the weather report. No, but I'm doing, I'm doing light report. Okay. Light report. Well, there was, it's now 7 o'clock. When's the shortest day? It's uh, mid-June, I think. It's pretty cool that we're getting close to the shortest day already. Yeah, and I'm going on holiday for three weeks, so I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Uh, into the beach. So am I. Where are you heading to? Hawaii. Of course you are. Douchebag in two days. <laughs> Douchebag. Uh-huh. <laughs> two days from now, of course. Yeah. That's why we're doing like 10 shows today. I forgot all about it. Oh, yeah. How long are you going to be there for? A week? Two weeks. Two weeks. Do you get a bit of downtime? No. Because oh, you're a hard-working <laughs> man, aren't you? I am. He's a hard-working man. hard are podcasting before I come back. I have to say, you're wearing the old Art of Trite jersey. I know. How many years you had that for? <laughs> I'm a shrewd investor when it comes to clothing. <laughs> we got given those. Shrewd investor. Seriously, that must be... Seven years ago. Possibly even more. <laughs> that is sensational. It's still got style. Oh, mate. People when you walk down, I thought, that guy is fashion. But it's actually held up pretty well. Yeah. Hard to trust all even around? No. Oh, they should be. They're yeah. the last for years. It has. Quality. <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our lovely patrons. And today we're going to name a couple and they are? Arnold Sleek Sulikov. Go to uh, David uh, D Squared Doherty. John Mount Snow Hancock. Uh, Greg the Alchemist Williamson. And Philip Stretch Ellis. Nice. Why Stretch? I think he must have had a picture and he was really big or tall or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe maybe his photo that he sent through he sort of had a wrong profile stretched out. I don't know. Something like was, that. Uh, we're not going to do news this week because there was no news. In no, the no news. No, no, no anger. No anger. No frustration. WTC did everything right yeah, this week. Yeah, but let's just go straight into age group of the week this week. Yeah. So we've got age group of the week. We've got some news. We're, uh, we're Coach's Corner actually going to be talking about the university. Yes, just mentioning that. So the, another fantastic thing that's come out this week. And everyone just loves it. The show is full of positivity <laughs> and uh, questions and answers and there were patrons at the end okay guys so we did have a race happen last weekend Ironman Texas which is one of the or the American championship race mm. and uh, some pretty good racing and good money on offer you know $150,000 on offer and big points you know if you do well at this race you're basically into Kona so if you win yep. you automatically qualify anyway but you'd probably have enough points by by the by um, but also if you finish high up in the rankings then you're probably not going to have to do too much more to get to Kona so love what WTC are doing here in terms of really prioritising the you know the um, the points towards these big races and the money you know at the top end uh, it's 30,000 30, for first place fortunately you know say you get 10th it's only a thousand bucks so you're not even going to cover your costs by getting 10th at these races and it did draw a pretty good field mm. I, I want to focus probably initially on the females because there were some outstanding performances guys did some good stuff as well but girls um, brilliant Man, okay, let's do it this bloody Ironman site doesn't filter so much so well anymore. No, it doesn't, does it? It's really a female pros. So am I, and it does not bloody working. Matt Hanson did not we'll do it. We haven't even got any females. Oh, come on. Well. Okay. Torsten's going to come to the rescue here. Right, let's go to tryrating.com because the WTC site's not working. bizarre, isn't it? 
Um, anyway, did- the girls' side of things, Angela and Nath took it out on what was a bloody impressive field and from uh, Joycey and Leander Cave. But I think, you know, probably... Kelly Williamson the- fourth and Corrine... Uh, Abraham in fifth. Yes, Angela Nath uh, swam fifty nine, biked four forty one, and ran three oh nine for eight fifty five nineteen. A couple of things we've got to say here is um, the reports. All the reports that I've had in, and from hearing what pros have been saying as well, stinking hot on the run, like seriously humid and cone like conditions on the run. Uh, and some reports in from some age groupers on the bike. Apparently, it was uh, fast on the way out pretty windy on the way back oh really um so yeah basically the story of the day was joycey and cave got out front in the swim swam 53 minutes and uh biked together for quite a while but joycey faded a bit towards the end and you know the run times here are, are, are not fantastic so no. leander cave only ran 312 joycey 314 and yeah you know, she's a she's a three-hour girl on her day kelly williamson pretty impressive in fourth with a 301 and Corinne abraham i saw a little interview with her after the race and um just pretty happy with her bike spanked that but struggled on the run and struggled in the swim you know she's swimming a 103 but still a force to be reckoned with um probably a disappointment of the day was Heather Wirtle she's been spanking the yeah, 70.3 what happened there just mm. day. Oh, she, she biked okay you know 451 bit off the pace but you know pretty similar to Joycey but only 321 and she's not the the strongest swimmer she's losing a little bit of time in the swim so pretty competitive racing though you know you've got first in 855 and 10th in 927 so first seven or so with in 20 minutes or so it was, um, it was good stuff um, I would say probably the highlight for me is seeing Leander Cave back in the game Yeah, you know, she hasn't done a good Ironman I don't think since she won Kona a couple of years now she hasn't had a, a stellar time she did try to get to the Commonwealth Games and kind mm-hmm. of took her attention away from Ironman for a period of time but you know, yeah, she had that amazing, you know, world championship race, and uh, since then we haven't seen a lot of her, have we? She's riding a funky bike now. It's sort of, sort of one of those ones, a bit like what Natasha Badman used to ride. Oh, no, the cheetah. It's, it's not a, yeah, it's like the cheetah. It's not a cheetah. I don't know what brand it is, um, but it's they look weird, man. You just look at them and you go, that thing's gonna snap in half. Oh really? But uh, you know, she had a good strong day at the office, so good stuff. And Angela Nath. That's a bit of a, you know, she's won races before, but um, bit of a breakout performance. And if you can perform there. You know, you got to say you probably got the goods in Kona. She won the Kona seventy point three last year when we were over there, um, and I remember getting off the bike. And you know, the girl, the pro girls had a bit of a head start, and I was thinking at the start of the run, man, I got my work cut out. Did manage to get them all, but she was um, she was pretty strong, so she could be. Your bike's got no bottom bracket. It's interesting, isn't it? I haven't looked at it in, in great detail. Oh. Anyway, so that was the girls' side of things. Um, in terms of people that bombed out on the girls, Bree Wee DNF'd. Um, not too many others that didn't. Uh, Heather Jackson was only 11th place with a 3.42. Well, that wouldn't have been too much fun. Guy side of things, a number of the, the big kahunas bombed out here. So you had Farah Salsatin, DNF, Victor Del Corral, DNF, Jordan Rapp, DNF, um, Chris McDonald, DNF, and unfortunately... It was chain broke, didn't it? Did I saw it? a photo yeah. on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Andreas Rayleigh at DNF'd as well, and he was right in the mix there for a for So what, where, where did DNF? Well, I didn't. I don't know. He didn't. He didn't run too far when I had a look okay. at his split. Can't look at his split now because yep. bloody I mean sight's not working. But got to say, this Matt Hansen, man, this dude can run. Yeah, I don't really. Man, well, that's what I was saying. You were saying it's slow day, and you look at the girls' times. You go, okay, cool. And then you kind of look at the rest of the guys' time. And Ronnie Shelnick's a pretty good runner, and he put a two fifty-five. And Matt Hansen did a two forty-five. Yeah, I mean, he. he uh, when I saw the results, I was like, 
who the hell is this dude? Yeah. I've never heard of him before. Probably should have because he did um, get sixth in Texas last year and he's had a few other – he won Ironman Chattanooga, so his name would have come up, but I just – But know, not there's, stellar. There's, like, there's so many names out there now. It's, there's so many races now, it's hard to remember them all. And he has had some stellar runs. He's got a course record with a 242 at Ironman called Lane and he had a course record at um, Chattanooga, but it was the first – I think Chattanooga was the first time they've had that race, so of course it's going to be a course record. Yeah. Uh, and he did have a course record here last year at 2.41. So the dude can run seriously fast. And in that heat, to run a 2.45, when you look at the rest of the times, is bloody impressive. And uh, Such a weapon to pull out, but isn't it? You uh, know, like if you're yurking off the bike, because he was off the bike a few minutes behind, wasn't he? About four minutes down, wasn't he? And yeah, quite. I don't know. It probably would have been a lot more than four minutes down because second place Joe Skipper, who he came out of the swim with, he lost eleven minutes to him on the um, oh, on the bike. Yeah, so um, you know, came out came out quite a bit down, but just to put out that weapon, eh? Like, oh. it's, just, it's a bazooka. Yeah, and uh, it's it's not quite a dojo domination, but he ended up winning by what's that nine nine minutes, nine yeah. minutes or so. So just impressive. Well, I was saying that Joe Skipper's four ten. On the bike. Outstanding. Yeah, man, the, the, smoking it. The palms are excited. I tell you what, we got quite a few emails from Pommy guys going, oh, Joe Skipper, get him on the show. Get him on the show. This, and that, Neil Skull sent that one through before the race was completed. Oh, really, did he? Yeah. And Bevan was like, what is this guy talking, what's Neil talking about? And I was like, oh, Joe, because I, I looked at a tiny bit of the race coverage, so I haven't really got an opinion on um, whether the, the live reporting was any good or not. Um, what I did see though again the, the live coverage the footage was basically kind of like you know in yep. terms of the, the pictures was Pretty really good quality. one thing I did note and, and you guys who watched the race will know a hell of a lot more than I did but I did hear Greg Welsh from time to time pulling out some heart rates and wattage figures oh, so okay. that's cool. from some of the girls so they're obviously taking the option to share their stuff so it'll be really cool by the time they get to Kona to to have that a bit more streamlined and say you know right Joycey's got to halfway and she's averaged uh, 200 130 watts or whatever so that why would be wouldn't you, why cool. wouldn't you share because it's not like it's not like gridiron where you're putting you know plays in secrets around you know like a race is a race and yeah I, I, I totally agree why wouldn't you but lots of people don't share their share their share their knowledge and if you copy what other people are doing you're always one step behind so and also race days like I get it with training if you have a philosophy that you might think you got the secret pill in but on mm. race day you're kind of responding to a race yeah so I think it'd be great, and it's good for your profile if the commentators are talking about you more often. Yeah, then uh, it's all good. So I thought, from the tiny bit of coverage that I saw, it was good. And guys, if you if you're stuck on the trainer, and uh, you know, you always remember with these Ironman races, you go into their back to the live coverage, and they do have it all up there, so you can actually go back. And if you need some training content, and just sit there and watch the race unfold, uh, all the video footage is up there. So. Um, yeah, what I'd say, Joe Skipper, I saw a little clip with him after the race, and he's he's a good runner. You know, he, he only ran a 304, and he said he got off the bike, and within two miles, it was survival. <laughs> so really? He just said it was so hot. He said it was the most miserable three hours of his life. Really? Um, but he hung tough, and he said it was a make-or-break race. You know, if he didn't achieve in this race, you know, he borrowed money off his parents to get there. And this is the state for wow. our pro athletes. Wow. You know, skimped and saved and managed to get to the race and uh, and I think second maybe took home 15,000, I think it was. We did um, get an email from Rob Lyons. Rob Lyons was just saying, uh, he was just asking for tips on how a tri-club could help a young pro to break into the pro scene. Joe Skipper was a chap I was asking for. Uh, second place in Texas was the third fastest bike slip uh, split ever averaging 20, nearly 28 miles an hour. 
Smoking. It's 14 is smoking. Um, well, I just helped get him to notice. So obviously his tri-club has been, you know, trying to get him behind him, which is probably a nice way of thinking about it. You know, like if you were in a tri-club, you know, I know tri-clubs are often, you know, lush with funds and it's often a bit of a struggle with any tri-club. But if there is a local pro who you think as a group could kind of get to the next level, maybe you do do some kind of fundraising work around that pro. We'll just try to get, you know, corporates in your club. You know, the, triathlon's a pretty affluent sport. You know, if you can try to say, right, you know, each big business, how about we put in 500 bucks each to just give them a chance to help them get to a race? It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So taking home 15 grand, I mean, you lose a lot in tax here and travel and stuff, but hopefully that uh, keeps Joe surviving for a little bit longer. So great race by him. Um, but, yeah, it's just a shame all those guys bombed out in terms of Andreas Raylert, Ferris, Victor Alsalton, Jordan Rapp. Especially Raylert because, you know, he had that good 70.3 not long ago mm. and we were kind of interested to see how he was going to go this time. But, unfortunately, bit of a bugger. Ben Hoffman had uh, faded pretty badly on the run. He only ran 3.18. He was uh, right in the mix for a long part of the day. And Lionel Sanders was the other one who I think was either leading or I know he rode with Joe Skipper up to the front of the race. Uh, so I don't know if he was in the lead, but he was right in first or second there at one stage on the the run. Um, but he only ran 3.11. He's a sensational runner. So the tiny bit of footage that I saw of him, he looked like he was limping real bad. Oh, really? um, but that may have been his normal running gait. But he's, he's serious fast but you know he must have just found it a little bit too hot Ronnie Shieldnick he got a a drafting penalty on the bike or some sort of penalty so he came back pretty nicely to finish in third place so all these guys though almost all of them all got out swam by the girls and what that really says to me is they're unlikely to be contenders for the podium in Kona because you're just always going to be out the back door on the bike so there's no reason why these guys couldn't run into the top 10, possibly like up to maybe third or something like that. But if you're not in that group, unless you're an absolute uber biker, like Norman Sadler, we haven't really seen guys that are able to come from behind and ride through the group and, and do well. So Matt Hansen, um, outstanding. He went 55 in the swim, 421 on the bike, 245 for 80703, came in 28 minutes quicker than expected, which is pretty impressive. Joe Skipper uh, had that amazing 410, he was uh, back in 816, 17 minutes quicker than expected. Ronnie Shieldnick was a little bit slower than expected in third place. And Lionel Sanders will um, gain some good points to get towards Kona because he's got some great 70.3 um, points. And then Pedro Gomes was in third place, and uh, Ben Hoffman only down in eighth. So, yeah. Interesting racing, and as I said, good to get these strong championship fields uh, together. Okay, so the real big news this week has been uh, the Ironman lottery is gone, and WTC have to pay a $2.8 million fine, and it's uh, it's kind of been all the talk this week, isn't it? It has. Angus Boyd did the stats for us, which was nice of him. So WTC had to forfeit $2.7 million. Let's take a step back. What, what, what actually happened? So... Let's, let's give the background. So first of all, they've had the lottery for years and it was John Collins said that for Kona, ultimately if we look at Kona, well, I still want people to be able to enter Kona, the everyday person to be able to enter Kona. And so there's been this history of having a lottery system that's allowed people to, you know, people who aren't ever going to get to Kona, well, maybe they could, but anyone could enter the opportunity to get to Kona. And but with pay that, 50 bucks. Pay 50 has. bucks and you go in the draw to win, what was it, 100 slots a year? Yeah. Was it higher in the past? It was higher in the past, and this is where I often had challenges it used with to be 200, you know, didn't it. Yeah, it used to be more, and then a big chunk of that was Americans. Yeah, so it was like 
ridiculous amount of Americans and then the rest for the rest of the world. So I had some real issues with that. But to their credit, they sorted that out. In recent and, times, they had kind of changed that. And they changed it then to the 100 slots plus the legacy slots. But yeah, there was still 100 slots, put 50 bucks in. And I know a number of people personally who got in via the lottery. So mm. yeah. And so, um, and then this week the news came out that the American government, um, some agency... Department of Justice. Yep, Department of Justice basically went to WTC and said, actually, what you're doing is illegal. Um, and from my understanding is that they kind of did a gentleman's handshake and kind of just said, okay, well, look, what you've done is wrong. We're not going to prosecute you, but there is a fine you need to pay and this needs to stop, basically. Mm. And the fine came out at about $2.8 million. $2,761,910 to be precise. Thank you, Angus Boyd, for providing us with that exact number. And the idea how that number came about was that was essentially the proceeds from the last three years of the lottery. So Angus did the analysis and he said at $50 an entry, that suggests that over 55,000 entries had been logged over three years. Given, this, given the growth in the sport, you're probably looking at around about 20,000 entries each year, which probably is quite a bit less than 20,000 people because some people purchase more than one ticket and from memory don't quote me on this one but I think maybe it rolled over a little bit as well if you went in once then you go and pay and go in again and you had two tickets yeah they so had a, they had a, a, an almost like a legacy legacy like a, an extra level thing which mm. you could, could also option into so the whole WTC uses the slot windfall to, uh, blah, blah, blah. so basically 2.7 million um, means 55,000 entries divided by 3 18,413 average per year let's, let's say even maybe that's 10,000 people um, the odds uh you know, they're not ridiculous odds. You know, if there was 20,000 entries in there, you know, you've got one in 200 chance, which is not terrible. And let's say it might, it might even be half of that. Um, it's reasonable sort of odds. And at the end of the day, um, I thought that Christopher Sankey, who I think he posted this on Slow Twitch, wow, so many people with such bad remarks. First, anyone who enters the lottery isn't forced to do so. They do so by choice, knowing well in advance of the odds of getting a slot. That's called making an informed, reasonable decision. People should be allowed to spend their own money however they see fit, whether it be on a $10,000 bike like some of you haters or a Kona lottery slot. Second, I don't hear anyone calling the lottery a scam before the Department of Justice suit. Now, all of a sudden, people want to act like WTC has been stealing people's money and forcing them into the lottery without any consent. You guys are pathetic. Your entire lives are probably spent training for WTC races while simultaneously looking for every opportunity to bash them. And that's the thing. When you think about it, I was saying this to Bevan before we recorded, it probably it is a bit, it was a bit of a scam, really. But a week ago, we were like, oh, lotteries, you know. Mm. I've, got, I've, got, I've got its pros and cons, but, you know, it's okay. It's 100 slots and you pay your 50 bucks. And so in theory, you go... I'm sort of, oh, it's okay. I would have, I don't, I think the money did go straight into their coffers. I don't think, and please email me in if I'm wrong here. I don't think the money went to charity or anything. I think it went straight into their, into their coffers. And it works out to be about 10,000 bucks a slot. Mm. So, you know, they were making pretty good profit on it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you're like making basically making... a million bucks a year. The thing I wonder is because <laughs> the thing I wonder is like if John Collins he did say, I want everyone, but when he said that, it was one race. Mm. And so I wonder if, if, if he was around and he was evolving with the sport, he would have gone, well, actually, I don't mind if Kona doesn't have slots anymore because, mm. look, anyone can do an Ironman anywhere we're around the world now. And there's a few questions I have is, is, is how, why, who, why does the government get the money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why, why wouldn't you refund the people who entered the lottery? Mm. You know, that's kind of a weird one, so I'm not quite sure. Maybe that's the reason the fine happens, but it seems that – although I don't – like, if I'd entered, I wouldn't have felt hard done by. No. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, like if I'd entered, I, I kind of knew the deal. And uh, it's still valid for this year. So if you paid your money, it's still valid for this year. It's just from after this year on, it's not happening. Yeah. And, um, but God, there was a lot of anger out there. Yeah. My God, it was insane. Yeah, there really was. WTC, you thieves. Yeah, blah, blah. And I, they should have been onto this. I mean, they've got a lot, as we know, they've got lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that. Um, they should have been onto this. I mean, when we did our, um, you, you all the listeners, and again, we thank you for helping us get to Kona last year with our ebook. You know, if, they, if they'd sold ebooks and said, well, you're in the, if you buy an ebook. Yeah, well, because no, even Stephen Pay here on Facebook has got, uh, they need to work out a system while still making money to enter the reformed lottery, maybe publish an ebook or something. And yeah. to be honest, when we looked at, because, you know, we, I kind of came up with this whole idea of a lottery scheme by listening to Freakonomics, actually. And, um, and you just can't uh, do it. No, and, and, we, we, and I had to look in internal affairs or something in New Zealand. I went on the website and it was, and I rang them and I was like, no, there's no way you can do that. If you do that, <laughs> it's, it's basically gambling and it's illegal. I thought, well, how do we do it? And then they said, if you sell a product and you give away a giveaway, that's a way that you can do it. So in New Zealand, we did do it the legal way. Um, so you actually bought a book. And by buying that book, and admittedly, it was the best book of all time. Yeah. But it was definitely something we had to think and put energy into to make sure we were doing it correctly. It is interesting that. That no one had kind of done it there. Yeah, uh, it's 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 very. Yeah. It's also really interesting. Like the, you know, why now? Why did it happen now? Mm. So I mean, the stuff going around on the internet and the stuff on slow twitch that um, the the may have, the guys um, dark mark and those guys may have inadvertently or accidentally tipped it off. It's really unclear as to to, to what happened there. But um, yeah, they obviously just found out about it. Somebody looked at it, and ironically, in one of the articles that I read was. The, the guy from I think the Department of Justice who was involved was also was actually an Ironman athlete himself. Oh, okay. He's going, oh, I, don't, I really want to be doing this, but uh, but anyway, it's done and dusted now. And WTC in their release said we don't agree with the judgment, um, but they have to abide by it, and they are looking for an alternative system to replace the lottery. So they will come out with something. I think I think the, the thing is, what do you think they will come out with? Because if they're being true to the spirit of, you know, like when you're pulling out a million dollars a year, it's easy to say, oh, you know, this is what John Collins wanted and we're doing yeah. it true to the sport. So this would be a real, I think this is an interesting test. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, you know, because if they are being true to, you know, because when you, it's easy to say that when you're pulling out a million bucks a year from it. Mm. Well, what happens when you no longer make profit from it? So, yeah, and that- and are they going to stay loyal to the whole idea of a lottery? Because far out, they could give away free entries. Well, that's the thing, and and it's not illegal to do that. Yeah, so you could have have a couple of entries at each each race. You know, it worked really. It was quite funky at Ironman New Zealand last year, and I think they did this at Ironman Australia uh, recently for their thirtieth anniversary. They had. I don't know if it was eight slots or ten slots or something like that, that they basically did a giveaway. And for however many Ironmans you've done at that race, you got one entry into the race. So I don't think they'll give away slots. They'll come up with some sort of scheme that means you've got to keep racing. A bit like the legacy slot. Yes, it's legacy, but you've got to keep on racing. The one thing that I kind of like about the lottery is by putting 50 bucks down, you're almost a little bit more invested than just giving things away for free. If they said, right, anybody who wants to go in the lottery, just put your name on our website, everybody will do it. And then it's like, oh, maybe I don't really want to go. That 50 bucks is just a teensy bit of um, commitment to actually uh, going there rather than making it free. So I'm sure they'll come up with a system, but it's going to require you to... Well, I'm interested to see how many slots it is. You know, like, will it still be 100? Because, you know, like, if they do a slot, like... uh, 
something I was reading on the it was the idea of you do a slot, but you still have to pay for the entry. You still have to pay for the entry when you go in the lottery. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, Are you sure? I'm, again, come back to me, anybody who's won the lottery, but I'm 95% sure. Oh, wow. So they're taking a million bucks off the top and the instant charging you. I'm pretty positive. Well, no, so, I'm not pretty so, positive. No, I'm pretty no, sure. Well, so what, you, you were just buying the chance to win? Yes. An entry? Yes. That you had to pay for? Yes. So you didn't even get it for free? Surely you got it for free. Please, people who've won the lottery, let me know. I'm going to say... You do have to pay for it, but happy to be proved wrong. Wow, that's better than you. Okay, I didn't like that aspect of it. Yeah, you know, lottery, you kind of you win. Yeah, <laughs> you don't then win the chance to spend more money. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, no, I'd love to know if that's okay. Well, I definitely didn't like that aspect of it because I'm yeah. kind of thinking, well, if they're, if they're making ten thousand dollars an entry and then charging you another thousand on top of that, likewise the legacy. I'll find. I, I know a couple oh, of people no, legacy, got legacy. raping you. There's no yeah. denying that. But then you have to pay again for the entry. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that with the legacy, but with the lottery, wow, that, that definitely wow. But so the, the fascinating thing will be, um, how does it survive? What system do they create around it moving forward? But also, um, what numbers will it be? Will it still be 100? I've just got to give the 15 extra to the pro girls. Well, that's, what <laughs> that's been a lot of the talk now, isn't it? And I am seriously, there's going to be some serious rage on the show if somebody else suggests having two Ironman races in Kona. Why don't we just have the pro race one day or have 1,000 slots on one day and then do another 1,000 the next day? If you've ever been to Kona, it's just... The stupidest idea out there. Stupidest. So if anybody suggests that again, you're going to... Who suggested it? Because I haven't actually seen oh, that. I saw around. it somewhere on, on Slow Let's just follow on what cycling do and have the pro race one day and then the age group race the next day. Go to, go to Kona for starters, but go anywhere. Imagine having a race, go past your doorstep. You're basically shut down for two days. The public rage would be amazing. Yeah. And Kona... It's basically one road goes around the island, then there's a secondary road on the, through the middle. So you're basically cutting off an entire city uh, for for a day to start with, plus all the other stuff that goes on. And then to do that another day, it's just dreaming. Another question I have is, okay, so you, you're kind of talking about the Ironman New Zealand option this time, whereas, you know, they, they, the 30-year anniversary, they kind of had... I don't know, so many slots that kind of got raffled off based on how many Ironman you'd done. And so it was quite cool, a way of doing it. But what about those people who, you know, because I remember when I did Kona, I spoke to a lady who'd never done Ironman in life, never done triathlon, and just mm. entered the lottery and, and won. Yeah. So how do they keep it open for those people for, who aren't in the world already? Well, my personal opinion is you don't. Okay. Uh, if you want to go in, in a lottery like that, you've got to done, done an Ironman. That's just my opinion, but, you know. Um, it's not keeping true to John, John Collins' spirit. Well, they can go and do another Ironman. That's <laughs> keeping to John Collins' spirit. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I wonder as well. Like, with John Collins now... Based on what the world is now, would he kind of differ in his opinion? Mm. So, John, your thoughts, last thoughts? Um, I don't hold any rage towards this. I don't think there was any intended malice. But if you'd known, let's say, because the thing is, we didn't know the insight. So, if you'd known last week, if I said, turn around and said to you last week, hey, mate, do you realise they're pulling off a million bucks a year profit off this? Mm. What would you have thought then? Well, my. my thoughts is that money should go to charities and things like that. Okay. I think it was pretty dodged that if they're basically saying, yeah, pocketing like a million Because the thing is, I think maybe some of the rage is coming, like, sure, no one was complaining before, but no one probably realised they were pulling off a million bucks a year because mm. it was all under the table. So we kind of didn't really know the insight behind it. Mm. You, when you look at it, it's $10,000 an entry. Mm. You know, that's, that's massive. Mm. You know, and so, you know, so if you think of it that way, then I think maybe, you know, the the the... The, the level of kind of 
that people are upset with right now. You can kind of understand that. There's a really good um, piece I saw that Dan Enfield, who we've got on Legends of Triathlon, that's coming out in the next week or so. Uh, he said, you know, WTC is very much a love-hate relationship for most of us. You know, you love the stuff that they do really well in terms of, you know, you love Kona, you love doing the races. There's so much you love and you're so passionate about it. There's, but then there's all this hate stuff, you know. I quite like the idea of the lottery, but yeah, I really hate that they're making a million bucks out yeah, of it when yeah. that money could go elsewhere. He made another good point, you know, when you go to these races and they say, Iron Man, giving back to the community, and they're giving like $100,000 to yep. some charity. It's like, well, that's really the athletes just, yeah. Yeah, it's all their money. So there's this real love-hate thing, but man, people have got a lot of passion about some of these things. They really have. This was, this was definitely a big subject. Another big subject that came out this week, that Challenge Bahrain, um, had a cryptic photo with uh, the organisers of the triathlon club, wasn't it? Was that the guy we had on the show? Yeah, and it was just, it was weird. And some people read into this, uh, I think, way, may, maybe way too much. So there was, it was basically a picture of a, a challenge race bag and then an Ironman race bag. Um, so sort of what you get in your, um, your race kit. And he's, he sort of said, I think the caption was, which is better. And then all of a sudden, everybody said, right, it's Ironman, it's Ironman Dubai. Uh, Ironman, uh, Ironman... So there's been no official word on that yet? No, so I, I went to um, Challenge, and what came through actually this morning is uh, Challenge Oman is off, and yep. that was kind of, most people knew that, and it was just, I think they were really trying to find a solution, but at this stage, they don't have a solution, so the press release uh, was that Challenge Oman is off, previously scheduled for 7th of August, uh, and they're currently looking for alternative uh, options to keep the $1 million you know, triple crown purse alive so they may well have a race somewhere else which is a real shame because the Oman race sounded really funky um, but then other people started guessing around the, the Challenge Bahrain seeing this this picture going right it's changing into an Ironman and as from what I've been told from Challenge is there's a five year contract in place with uh, Challenge Bahrain for that event to happen for five years okay. so you've got to say it's a challenge race, as we've seen in the past. Sometimes these things can, <laughs> don't, can, yep. can go astray and, uh, and a contract is not always worth what it's written in. But the Bahraini guys, I don't know, you just got to say it's a five-year contract. So unless we see anything otherwise, um, it's challenge Bahrain for the next five years. So, what, so the current kind of situation is that challenge are still trying to go ahead with the Triple Crown Series. They still have um, the two of the races, um, are Bahrain and Dubai. Um, they need to try sort out the third race to get this million dollar prize purse happening, um, and the, the, ideally they're saying, <coughs> excuse me, that this the new race will be announced shortly. Mm. Uh, Tim Hemming sent through some. He just said uh, one thing he thinks, which is a pretty good point. I thought was um, I appreciate I cannot see the it to be easy organising events in the Middle East, but the communication needs to be improved on this. We've received a lot of stuff from Bahrain 13 and how it could be a force for good, yet when it comes to the actual detail of serious racing and a much vaunted million dollar triple crown, we are in May with almost non-existent drip feed of info and still nothing coming from the Challenge website, which is very much true, you know, we are pretty close to August, so, you know, his, his kind of criticism of their kind of Communication is probably that, fair in some way. It's fair in some ways, but you know, they were challenged were probably trying to do everything they could to try to pull that event off and they probably just finally got to the point where said, nah, it's not happening. Mm. Uh, Wavy Davy McAvoy, he sent through something around uh, around the Challenge 13, um, not the Challenge 13, the Bahrain 13. Not a good Maybe name. they should have researched that name a little bit more because if you do a Google search for Bahrain 13, the number 13, you don't put the endurance in there, it comes up with... <laughs> 
basically some guys that sort of got uh, tried under, you know, there's some human rights issues. Apparently not the nicest people. Not, Let's put them not going on there. So maybe, and this comes up when you do marketing at university. There's so much you've got to look into when it comes to a name. You know, so much happens when you do translations as well. Oh, true. You know, from like Japanese to English, and you just come up with these wacko, offensive brand names that don't do any research, and then they release it, and you're just going, "What are you, mm. you know, um, coming up with there?" You know, really random things so maybe they should have come up with that but Bahrain 13 is uh, the Endurance 13 has you know had another pretty successful we're, we're going to talk about Ironman University later on but um, John Bo, uh, John's ITU update now I actually went and watched the finish of this this was a good race it was so it was held in Yokohama at the weekend and I would say again as I said with the Ironman coverage for tri- you go triathonlive.tv it's what is it it's um I haven't even got the link there. I think it's 19 euros for a season pass. Nothing. Nothing. And so they have, I don't know, eight or ten rounds there. Plus they have heaps of other content in there. And you look at all the old stuff, brilliant trainer material as well. Did you watch this live? I didn't watch it live. But did you know the result before you watched it? No, I didn't. Oh, good. Yeah. So I watched it in the afternoon. It was quite good timing. I I fast-forwarded most of it. Um, (laughs) That's not good. That's not a good state of the sport. I no, it's not. Come on, you are the triathlon passionate fan. Yes. You know, so if I, you're fast-forwarding through it. I just don't have two hours spare. I mean, I, anybody can make two hours spare, but I'd rather be... Yeah, but, I'd, I would but, love but to watch if it was a great sport, mm. you would. Yes. You know, if, if like a, a good game of rugby league, yeah, no, I, you I don't fast-forward through that. I don't, no, at the moment I don't watch any, uh, any, any long sports, so mm. it's... Uh, changed. No, it's just kids. That's what's life You've with changed. kids. I would love to have watched the whole thing. Uh, and it is good, really good coverage. would say the girls' race, can't believe more girls to not fall off their bikes because it was raining and the Yokohama course is just white lines everywhere. Oh, really? Couldn't believe they didn't fall off. But the guys was just a brilliant run. You know, they all came together on the bike. I was somewhat what surprised. Bike? Because Pat got ahead. Yeah, I was really surprised. And he had some good riders in there. Yeah. So, so why didn't they stay ahead? Um, I think a big part of that was Brownlee was not on his A game. Normally he would be driving that uh, train. Yeah. He had a, He was a little bit, Alistair Brownlee was a little bit down down out of the swim and got so on the bike. So is he just like his peak right now? Uh, yeah, he said he just he said he felt rubbish all day, and uh-huh. so to be in a sprint finish for the win and still yeah. feel like rubbish. Uh, but he he would normally get on that train and be driving it, and he said in his post race interview, you know, he was a little bit down out of the swim, had to bridge across to get onto the lead group of maybe it was ten or so, and then sat on the back for a couple of laps to get his breath. Whereas normally he'd be on the front just cranking it, yep. and so they maybe just didn't have enough drivers. But I thought when I was watching it because I did watch. Uh, uh, bit didn't of coverage, fast bit, yeah. didn't fast, that uh, I thought they would stay away, but they didn't. So it was a big pack coming off the run, and you know the difference. I harp on about their, you know, triathlon's got to go short and sprint distance. You'd have the same results. It's not exactly the same because Mario Mola, you know, over a sprint distance, kills it. Pretty much wins every single time. Uh, but this, you know, over ten k's. Um, so he tried to attack, didn't he? Because mm. it basically came down to Gomez, Brownlee, and Mola. Mola. You're three big hitters. Yeah, so they kind of broke away from the pack pretty quickly. Mm. And Mola was just attacking, 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 and then he broke. He did. And uh, then it basically came down to a sprint finish. Um, well, you know, the last K, it was just ding-dong battle between Gomez and Brownlee. And Brownlee was hurting, and you could sort of see him trying to trying to break. And Gomez was hanging on his shoulder. And then it came into the finishing shoot, and it was just a, it was a classic. And, you know, you kind of, in those situations, you normally think, Brownlee's going to take it. Yeah, and, well, uh, he does. Gome, take it. Gomez had him. It was wow. good to see. Good for the series. 
wow, it's, you know, it's obviously more exciting for pro racing than what we see in an Ironman, isn't it? Oh, it it is. And it's, but you know, when they're, when they're doing this filming and Andrew Messick pointed this out a few weeks ago that, you know, on the Ironman course, you've only got, I don't know, I can't remember how many motos they said they had. Maybe it was three or four. Yep. But in, in ITU racing, you essentially only need one <laughs> because you're just covering the front dudes. It's all pretty close. You yep. can have a couple of cameras on the course and that's all you really need. So it's a lot easier to cover than an Ironman race. You get guys going head to head. So you, you're watching that dynamic. Whereas Ironman, by and large, people are just by themselves well, I think or they might be two of them when you think of the whole idea of um, critical moments in a race in an Ironman race there's probably what how many critical moments in the pro field a couple yeah and you can't even see them because it might be in a big lineup of 20 guys on the bike and yeah. somebody sort of slowly ekes off the front so you might you know you might you might get a few critical moments whereas in an ITU race there's lots of critical moments isn't mm. there you know transitions are really important swims really important in the bike it can be really critical and then the run and so there's just a lot more dynamic in the short course racing isn't there mm. Mm. So no, I would have loved to have been able to sit down there for two hours and to watch that race because there was things happening. There was this young guy who attacked oh, off the bugger. front and then he oh, fell off just at the end. Did you feel for him, but I didn't actually see the fall, the falling off because I was maybe fast falling a little bit quick. I thought he had a, he had a big lead before and now he's got. Nothing. I don't know. Exactly, what do you know? The kind of lead he had? No, but he uh, yeah. He, he still got off. He was coming into the finishing shoot. Yeah. He was coming into transition and he just been in a corner. He'd been on like a off. 20k solo breakaway. And, and, he, and he stayed away by himself. Yeah. Poor bugger. And he slipped on the corner. He took a, he unclipped on the corner yeah. and came off. Oh. Rocky. Got so anyway, Gomez took it out from Brownlee. It was good racing. Gwen Jorgensen is... Uh, if Nine in a row. She's just so far in front of the other girls. If you took her out of it, man, we'd have some interesting racing because it's just a lottery, the rest of it. Really? Just like, so who got second and third? Um, you had uh, Ashley Gentle, I think, was second. I'll pull it up, but from memory, it was Ashley Gentle. And third place, I can't quite remember, but I'll tell you in uh, about five seconds' time. Emma Moffat was third. That was a bit of a surprise. She's normally recently been down sort of fifth through tenth, and Andrea was only down in eighth. Probably non Stanford. First race in 20 months, apparently. She's uh, running right up in the mix, possibly going to get on the podium. Has to serve a 15-second penalty, and she serves at 200 metres from the finish. And oh. So she's standing there, and there's people just running past oh. her, boom, 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 and she comes out of it and sprints back past and gained a couple of places. So she, um, you know, this is how close it is in the girls racing. It's uh, 1 hour 58.33 for second. Well, let's say th- third place was 1.59.03, and then 10th place was 1.59.26. So in 23 seconds, you've got uh, seven people coming across the line. So it's pretty um, pretty cutthroat at the front Gwen end. And ran... A minute thirty faster than the second place runner under no pressure. And how much quicker could she run? Really, other than Ashley Gentle, two minutes faster than everyone else. And she's, you know, I was a bit of a Gwen Jorgensen um, beater because, uh, you know, she basically she's a sensational runner. But previously, you know, she couldn't bike to save herself, and uh, and now she's basically swimming with the front pack consistently now. And even saw her on the front a bit on the bike this time, and so she's not getting dropped anyway. So. It's it's sort of that Simon Lessing situation. You know, how the hell Can they beat her? do we beat this girl? And uh, the only way it's going to happen is if they team up her on the bike and just um, let some brakes go off the front. And uh, <laughs> so your picks out from the Olympics now. You'd say Gwen and Alistair still. Oh, undoubtedly Gwen Jorgensen. Like something would yep. majorly have to go wrong. Oh, the guys. Um, I think it's anybody's game at this stage. It's just. Like, do we read that much into Alice's race this weekend? 
Oh, he's he's still the favourite, but I wouldn't be banking the house on him. Okay, but he did. Brownlee, A. Brownlee would be the favourite, and then yeah, you know, I think you'd have equal second favourite between um, Jonathan um, Mola and Gomez. Uh, it's just whoever's on. Yeah, has the best day, but. Alistair would still be the favourite. Okay. Good times, rock and roll. We've got Ironman Lanza Grotty coming up this weekend, Jumbo. Oh, man, that website, when you go on, it's one race, you know, we talked they about it. They do it right, John, race. don't they? Well, no, they're just, the, the um, that bike course just looks awesome. Yeah. You just see them on the, if you go to the Ironman site and you pull up the page and there's this picture of guys just zigzagging up this, this climb and you can look down and you can see everybody below you, it'd be, um, it'd be wicked. And they're always fantastic at having their start lists up, um, which is always Helpful. good to see. Uh, it's a pretty small race these days in terms of, um, you know, a prize money and B points, but still draws a, you know, good size field. You've got nearly, nearly 1,800. Mm. I mean, but in terms of the pros, you're oh, not okay. going to get the, the top calibre pros there. So you've got uh, Mikel Blanchard Tinto, seeded number one, Bart Jammer second, Constantine Bashor third, Christian Kramer and Castro Saleta. Um, and then the girls' uh, top seeds are Aymar Mulan, probably pronounced that wrong again, Amy Forshaw, um, uh, Lee Shao from Taiwan. She was out here a few years ago, so the top sort of seeds on the, the girls. Will Clark could be an interesting one. He's um, a former short course guy, could uh, could be in the mix. And Stephen Bayless is still going. Yeah. So good to see Kate Bevelacqua and Guy Crawford are heading over. So we will report on this one in a few weeks' time. Okay. Uh, sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Now, one thing I've noticed with them, in terms of the athletes they're looking after, they're, they're working with a lot more... Track athletes these days as well. Um, oh, I suppose so, it's the kind of high yeah. intensity stuff. So, but for, in terms of triathletes that are on extreme endurance at the moment, you've got good old Timo Bracht in there. You've got Matt Russell, who just races up a storm. He does heaps of Ironmans every year and he really believes in the product. Yvonne Van Vlerken, likewise, we interviewed her a while ago and she was sort of talking about you know, how important it is for her recovery. You know, she backs up races really regularly. Um, also, Leon Griffin, who's been spanking up some really solid 70.3s. Of late, Heidi Cessna, um, Helene Biedervart, who's been the top 10 in Kona, then Nick Baldwin, um, Chrissy, Chris, Carissa Wernick, and Camilla Lundrum, and good old, of course, Hal Tao, who is on one of our shows in the next few weeks. So, you know, there's a lot of athletes that are putting their name to this product, and I'm sure none of them are getting paid a fortune to do so. They're doing it because they sort of believe in it, they know it really helps their recovery, and... Uh, yeah, so get on it. Be get, like everybody else. Get, and get, get it on. Promo codes are on imtalk.me if you need them. imtalk10 is good for the xendurance.com and .co.uk and .eu. So check it out and get your muscles recovering quicker. Okay, guys, xendurance.com. Okay, discussion of the week. So last week we had a discussion. Now let me pull up here, Jumbo. The discussion was, wait a second, I'm in this one here. It was positives and negatives. I was going, what really annoys you? And I'm like, come on, John, yeah. let's stop being negative Nancys. And it was a negative Nancy week for the WTC, let's be honest. Because this week is positive, positive uh, Peter. Positive Peter, there we go. <laughs> and uh, and so the, the, what we, we're basically saying, what are the cool things that the WTC are doing and maybe what it, things can it, they improve? Not no, and this wasn't necessarily a WTC question. It was more a um, big, race. big professional run races. What 
annoys you and what do you really like? Okay, Tony Spearing, he's got uh, the good, the consistency that you can expect from an Ironman event. I make them my A races, the bad people that continue to badmouth WCC on race fees. If you do not like them, move on. Others will take your spot. Um, Tom Maud, I was really peeved at that ITU events age groupers aren't allowed to start by diving in off the famous ITU starting pontoon. 700 bucks for a race entry. Even at the age group world champs, we have to start in the water, which is at hand on the podium. Come on, ITU. It's the world champs. I agree for a reason. I agree with that. Um, well, I was talking to the guy the other day who's going to the world champs for ITU. Yeah. And they, now this is more of a New Zealand Federation thing. 500 bucks for the outfit. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's it's that's it's pretty universal across most countries. You five hundred bucks for the outfit. You get, uh, yeah, you that's get, just raping people. That is. Yeah, but it's but it's not triathlon New Zealand. It's just yeah, five hundred bucks. Yeah, that'll be for your race kit. I mean, you pay for, for a tri suit these for a good tri suit. You know, it's a couple of hundred. Yeah, um, not five hundred. Yeah, but then you then I'm sure that'll include your t-shirt, your shirt, your shorts, your tracksuit. Oh, is, is that a whole? I, I assume. I hope so. If you pay five hundred <laughs> bucks for a tri-suit, somebody need does need a bullet. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Charles has got despite all the slate that WTC gets, they put on a great event. I race two A races a year and love all the logistics that are taken care of at these races. You show up at the race and focus on having the best day that you can. What annoys me the most is that the fast triathletes who show up to these races and beat me. <laughs> Uh, Richard Swan, if I entered the coast to coast, and uh, then I would have been livid at the lack of nutritional support, which included, uh, which in- included even water. I cannot begrudge the level of service and freebies that WTC events in New Zealand have provided. However, Kona provides average value for money, especially when it comes to post-race food, banquet food. I've got to say they have lifted their game there. However, there is an endless supply of beer. The reality with paying huge fees is if something small goes wrong, then you f- that you you feel you can bitch about it to a massive uh, extent. It's probably a fair call. Ben, uh, I'm going to say Colborough. Um, positives, the environment and support from others, the vibe and the lift you receive from people you meet and see hearing about others' journeys and the ability to achieve goals and dreams. Being part of their client's journey and watching them cross that line negative is only the people that complain but are not willing to present a solution, be constructive with comments and focus on what they are truly doing at the event. Matthew Burns, professionally run events. Everything just works and the course is well maintained throughout the event. Plenty of drink and food for all athletes. Cool design. A course design is good and easy to understand. What annoys me is poorly constructed courses and Ironman and longer events that run out of everything before the middle of the pack and back of the pack athletes are finished. That would do my head in. I've never really experienced that because... Well, that was actually really another one. What it so if you're, if you're a middle to back of the packer and you need some gels and they've just run out oh, and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, wow. Because if anything, you need it more than anyone else. Yeah. Because you're out there longest. Biggest peeve is race announcers and TV commentators who don't have a clue what's going on, but I suppose that's a question for another day. Michael Kennedy's got Ironman have just announced a $25 uh, price increase for most of the races go through the Asia Pacific program. Uh, that annoys me the most, uh, the pure greed and bureaucracy of WTC. Uh, we need a club more club events so we can leave the $400 half Ironman events to the rich. Also, the fact that some events are about 12 months away is beyond a joke. Hey, Michael, where's your positive? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I wanted two okay you can complain but give some love as well Michael sharpen up Grant Petrie has has done the love and the hate uh, I love the no car bike course with fans out there to cheer you on and I, th- I think that is great that you know for, for, for the big events they do manage to get good road closure crappy backpacks that fall apart in a month 
Michael Kennedy is, is further down. And uh, I'm going to read this. It's quite a big one, but hopefully it's positive. The best Ironman event is probably Bustleton 70.3. Registrations can be done at the event or before the event. They have a massive circus tent where medical registra- uh, registration area is. The event is well organized and has a great atmosphere. You get your t-shirt and towel before the event with a drink bottle, gel, energy gel, bar, etc. Massage is available post-finish. All other Ironman events seem now seem to be charging more while giving less. Interestingly, Bustleton 7.3 is actually not run by WTC some say stop whinging about less entry uh, so he's kind of giving some love and now going to give back in the slap so. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'll leave it with the positive you've had, you've had your negative and your positive there okay good is that you Jumbo? I think I'm done yep what's, what's your positive and negative well th- this whole topic sort of stemmed from last week when we talked about um, Mallorca 70.3 and I had an athlete racing over there there's three and a half thousand people on the course yeah. and you kind of think well that's really cool there's lots of people out there but it makes it really difficult to have a reasonable race when you're having to go through that sort of crowd of people. Yep. But on the other hand, you do generally know what you're going in for. So if you don't want to do that, go somewhere else. Um, in terms of positives, I think like most people, so that's my probably my main gripe at the moment is numbers, uh, numbers on the course. And I'm going to have two gripes and I'll have to think two positives. The other one would be, I would be pretty peeved if I was a middle to back of the packer and... <laughs> a, I didn't get nutrition or I got some crappy towel at the end that wasn't even for that event things like that I'm like come on you yeah. know I've paid big money to do this um, those are the small things of running out of finishes medals so that would be pretty annoying if it was your first one yeah, well, the question is how do you get that wrong mm. like you know 3,000 people signed up yeah whether whether if it's a crappy day maybe they put two towels on some people I don't know yeah, um, yeah but those sort of things should be right the one in Australia where they had the typo that's just that's just human error. bad human yeah. error. You know, that stuff happens. As long as they fix that, it's not a biggie. Um, in terms of the positives, uh, right, you go next, Bevan. <laughs> I'm going to think of my positives from the big events. Oh, no, there's heaps of positives. There's heaps of positives. Oh, yeah. man. You're going to hit with the positives. <clears throat> big, the, big, big, the big game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like it's like when you go to a, the difference between going to the pub and watching a, you know, a guy who's a good musician at a pub and going to a concert. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the difference. And, and you, you know, you know I love going to live music and I went to saw the Foo Fighters recently and you paid, I know, 150 bucks to go see the Foo Fighters. Now, you could probably go to a pub and watch a musician who's pretty good, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not of that level, but, you know, there's some pretty good pub musicians out there. But you pay for the big show for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, when you go to, you know, a challenge race, an Ironman race, you know, these kind of, big show races there is it, it, the big shows there's a reason there's a big show and there is a reason you pay and it's the atmosphere it's, it's probably the big thing for me it's the uh, the hype you know mm. it's, it's all of those it's like they just do all the little things that make the big show experience work and, and I don't know like if um like I, I can't see myself doing a triathlon for the next period of my life, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some stage in my life I get back into it. And um, at that time, I had no problem doing an Ironman. I wouldn't have problems spending the money because it is that big show event. Hmm. So, you know, for me, the positives, there's so many positives. Uh, I think that's the main thing for me is, is, you know, if you go to a little local club 10K running race and it's just deathly silent and just people sitting around talking and that's the difference between a professionally run event for me is yeah, the atmosphere, good MCs um, yeah. and some pumping music and actually creating a bit of vibe, getting the crowds involved and yeah. stuff. So lots of positive. I, getting I, crowds, you mm. know, because, you know, like you're a local triathlon, there's no crowd. Mm. You know, his mum is the finish line of the young kids. Unless you come to house travel, oh, house triathlon right. festival. Well, or Christchurch is there. But, yeah. but, you know, but most, you know, if it's just local club races, it's like a weekend mm. race. Whereas you go to an Ironman race and 
random people who've never watched triathlon before are out in the street cheering you along. It's, mm. it's pretty cool. I like both. I like club races. I like um, big races. So and at the end of the day, the good thing at the moment is most places around the world, there's choice. So if you don't, if you bitch and moan about yeah, you know, big race stuff about paying big entry fees. In most the places, that, 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 there is other the choices. The big race has, which a lot of other races don't have, is the fact that it is the A race for the year for people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the importance of the race to the athletes is the most important race in their calendar for, for the majority of the athletes out there. And so I, I really like that aspect of it, that, you know, it, it's such an important day. And mm-hmm. it, the fact that even for you as an athlete who's doing the race, you're in that same kind of... Um, kind of experience within yourself as you're kind of moving through that day and I kind of love that the camaraderie that brings that kind of you know that supportiveness that it brings you know whereas a local race you have a shit day who cares yeah, yeah. you know and so you know it matters I, on Athlinks because you've got to get it up on Athlinks exactly People and so you care. know like I think that there's so many aspects you know what what would I be critical of I can't, it's really unfair for me to be critical it's been so long since I've really put a lot of money into a race like that um, it would just be kind of stupid misorganisation things, mm. which they probably could have get it right. But you know, turning up to draft like in Kona, pulled into a drafting tent. There's like fifty people there yeah. with three people taking times. Things well, like and that. To be honest, things like draft marshals is probably you know. But God, that's hard to get people to do that. Would you yeah. want to be a draft marshal? Yeah, but you know they put on an event that has rules. You know, and there is so things like that. But mm. you know. We're going to save this age group of the week for, for next time. Oh, really? Yes. Because nice, we are, what, half far into the show? News has taken up an hour. Yes. <laughs> so. so we'll save that. We need, we need that age group of the week. We're going to go to Statistastic. Have we got any music? Okay, here's some music. Statistic. It it's is fantastic. fantastic. Jumbo, we've got a critical email about Statistic saying, Statistic, it's craptastic. And then I went back and said, oh, you're allowed your opinion. And he said, oh, no, I was joking. It was a joke. It was a reference to another joke. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that joke. <laughs> Simpsons is coming to the end of the show. Well, no, I don't think that's happened. One of the guys has left. Yeah, but he does like half the characters. Yeah, but they're going to pull someone else to do the voices. Yeah. He doesn't own the characters. Yeah. yeah anyway. Anyway, this week's Statistic. Um, it's starting to get a little bit weaker, but this is, this is a good one. Are the world's youngest iron distance finisher. Now, wait a second. They did it themselves? Yes. Wow. I remember we talked about this. Yeah, it we, was we, a we, number we, of years ago, so it wasn't recent. Hunter, we are on kidsworlds.com to figure this out. <laughs> yep. Hunter Lucy, L-U-S-S-I, is the youngest iron distance finisher in the world. Two years ago, and this would be more than two years ago, I think it was uh, a never number put, of years never ago. Never say that. Always say the year. Yeah. It was in 1999. When he was just 13 year old, 13 years old, Hunter completed and broke an Ironman world record. A year later, at 14, he won the 2.4 mile swim portion of the same event, lowering his finish time by almost two hours. This year, which is, uh, we, they should have put the year, Hunter is getting set to complete in his third race, the Chesapeake Man Triathlon, and hopes to beat his previous times now I do remember this from a while ago it was yeah, like the Chesa- Chesapeake man and I think this dude was a fast fast swimmer and then just sort of doodled around uh, the rest of the course but imagine doing Ironman at 13 Whew. don't know if it's the best thing for them but uh, respect for him to doing it Doing it. it's, it's hard to comprehend that isn't it because like you know you know sometimes you look back and as you get older and you look at people at certain ages and you think wow you know 
there's no way I could have been that person at that time. If, you know, if you look at a young sportsman hmm. and you see, you, you, I, I always find it funny how critical people can be of young sportsmen who make life mistakes. Hmm. You know, you see the young guys who are maybe 18 and they do something stupid and you're like, well, when I was 18, hmm. I was pretty stupid. <laughs> you know, I did a lot of stupid things and I didn't have the exposure to money and, and fame and all that thing, all that type of kind of, all the stuff that comes with the life of those people and um you know so the idea of 13 doing an iron man backing up and doing another one yeah do you think you could have done an iron man at 13 um probably not i mean i would have been able to swim for for africa i mean i was swimming quite a bit then and you know at that age if you're a swimmer kid you're doing uh you know eight to ten k's a day four to five days a week and then probably a 10k on saturday have sundays off so yeah aerobically you're, you're pretty fit and uh yeah, he's out there for for a long time. But you know, every like, so many different kids are brought up differently. You know, a lot of parents. You know, if they're an outdoor family, this is where the Brownleys you know have a massive advantage by by the sounds of it. Just an outdoor family, you go, you go tramping at the weekends. You're tramping all day at the weekends. You just your your overall general level of fitness is just streets ahead of, of everybody else. So yeah, don't think it's the healthiest health, healthiest thing to be going doing an Ironman when you're 13 or 14. I don't know if he was training intensely for it, but. Uh, Got through it. Good Jumbo, I've taken it to the next level. This mm. I've outstatched your stats. Well, hold it for next. Hold no, no, because it's just, it has to go on from this one. So, thirteen for an Ironman is pretty good. Mm. What do you think the youngest marathon finisher is? Ten. You're well off. Yeah. Three. <laughs> no, look at this. The age of three. Is this no, off kidsworld.com as no, well? This is, this is Google.com, but he's got a Wikipedia page as well. Uh, Bud, Budha Singh. By the age three, no, not a typo, three, Indian native Buddha was the youngest person to finish a marathon. By the age of four, he completed 48 marathons. So on Wikipedia, John, it must be true. Yeah, okay. Yep, he's, he's, yep. so he's, yeah, he's now 12. Mm-hmm. He's done five million marathons. Yeah, it was the Indian boy, the youngest marathon was done. He was born in state, blah, 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 at the age of four, covering 65 kilometers at seven hours and two minutes. It was listed the youngest marathon. 65 kilometres in seven hours? Mm-hmm. At the age of four. And it, it, he's the youngest marathon, and this was in the Limba Book of Records in 2006. I'm going to dispute that one. Well, hey, <laughs> his running ability has led to celebrity status and has appeared in a number of television commercials. These commercials and Buddha's fame has allegedly led to a significant financial gains for the family <laughs> and his coach, which led to accusation of exploitation. So... Mm. So there you go, featuring a mar- there's a documentary on a marathon boy. So there you go, fantastic! It is fantastic. <laughs> it is. A, I think I just outdid your stat. That yeah. is that is crazy. Okay. So there we go. Uh, what are we up next? We got Coach's Corner. Yeah, hit me with more music. Okay, then. we I'll need to some, add some. I'll try some some country. Here we go. Coaches Corner, Jumbo. sort of. I, I don't really have country music anymore. Oh, dear. Because you used, used to go, yeah. Yeehaw. Oh, those were the days. I hope I can get some new country music. Okay, Jumbo. This week, there was an announcement of Ironman University. And Ironman University basically is a system that WCC has come up for, which is basically coach certification or training. More or less. It's, it's, it's basically an online bloody video course. Yeah. Um, that you can go ahead and sign up for. And Brett Sutton had a bit of rage towards this. Managed to write a little post saying this is a load of shit. It's crap. What, what are they doing? I think it's some fair points. I think, it, sorry? 
I think it's some good points. Yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. it's as we haven't said, it's basically coach certification. WTC th- think they can do it better than um, others. So, you know, often it, this falls under the umbrella of um, national federations that are you know, typically underfunded in, in a lot of cases, <coughs> except for maybe America and, uh, and the UK. And, you know, you go along and you can do your level one coaching and get a little certificate to say that, you know, I've done a bit of training. So it's going to be um, a little revenue maker for WTC and they're always going to be looking at that angle. So, I mean, we can kick them for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're a business. Cost you $699 to sign up for it. Um, I think Brett Sutton's point was, you know, doing this is a 14 hour course. You know, it's got 14 hours of instruction. And by doing that, you get a stamp that says, you know, I'm an Ironman coach. And he's really saying, well, that's just a load of crap. <laughs> You're not a coach when you've done 14 hours of, uh, of, of basically online tutorials. Um, but at the same time, you've got to start somewhere, and I think the the you know the, probably the one downside of this is if somebody does do that, they come along and do fourteen hours of training, they go and the, you're on the Ironman listening as an Ironman coach. Yeah, you may be complete crap, so maybe they're endorsing people that aren't any good. But at the same time, it's probably similar to the fitness industry. How if you if you want to be want to be coach, where the hell are you <laughs> supposed to start? Um, that's, that's a tough one. This one isn't it? So it's just a, a certification and how it un- unravels the, the content but of not, it. I, think, I don't think it's a, just a certification. It's education. Hmm. You know, like a certification is like we have reps in my industry. So reps is you've done your qualification and to say that you are, so reps kind of represents that you're upskilling yourself continuously. There's kind of a level, it's like a master builder. There's kind of, okay, you've done your building trade and then outside your building trade, we, there's these standards we're going to maintain as an industry and if you're reps qualified or if you're a reps member, you've got your qualifications and then you want to maintain those and so your clients have something to fall back on and they know that they're getting a higher quality service so that's kind of mm. a certification i think this is more of a a training product mm. to say that you're a coach and so then the question is is a 14-hour course enough to say you're a coach now you know what like like, like new zealand have triathlon course don't they yeah but it's it's, it's, it's like a pretty, course isn't pretty it? similar to this yeah so so in that way you and know you go away and you've got a level one coaching which means you've got some level of competency yeah but yeah you can have a million different courses and you do them doesn't necessarily mean you can be half decent coach you know in terms of my opinion um when it comes down to coaching the best way you're ever going to learn is observing and talking to other coaches and that's how i certainly started my coaching career and to be honest you know, our, our podcast is not necessarily the stuff that bevan and i harp on about but if you go through and listen to all our different guests that's oh, as good and that's, us. That's, that's, and us, of course that's as good as as going on a training course you know it is constantly upskilling and developing your own opinions on things um co-coaching i think is a fantastic way to upskill it so i think it's it's a bit harsh to just say this is a crap program it's just something that you can add to your arsenal if you're a, a wannabe coach and you know in terms of the names of people they've got on there you know they've got some fantastic coaches who've got great programs running you know dave scott and lance watson and um you know um, a bunch of Really good names listed on this, so you've got to think they're probably going to do a pretty good job with it. And if you want to be coach, you know, if you can be listed on this, you know, as an Ironman coach, I think it's going to be a great marketing tool in terms of getting your name out there. So, someone like you who's already got you, would you use just so you hear the certification? I'd I'd use it as a marketing tool. I mean, I'm always would you pay 700 bucks to do the course just so you could say you're a yeah. 700 US, I consider it. I mean, at the moment, I don't need to, but if I was, you know, if I was. 10 years ago and thinking of ways to market myself then that would be good of course you know whenever you do any sort of course there's 14 hours of instruction there you know you might already know 
seven hours of it already but you're always going to be taking something away from that so whenever I go on a course you know you go right there's 100% of content there 20% of that is, is stuff that I really take away and really apply to what I'm doing so I'm sure there's going to be some great stuff in there but just going and doing a 14-hour course doesn't necessarily make you a good coach. So I would hope that what they will do is maybe layer, layer it a little bit and have a, a level one, level two, level three, a bit like what most um, most federations do. So um, I think it's yeah a few things they probably need to iron out, but geez, it's a I think it's a step in the right direction, and especially when a lot of national federations are struggling to keep up with coaching programs. Like I know in New Zealand, it's a, it's a becoming a bit of a nightmare to to get any programs. So WTC. Are, yeah, take well, it on the chin, and I think it's <clears throat> uh, it should it's got more positives than negatives. So it's a, there's a couple of things. Um, like I'm just looking at they've got a video page here which kind of shows the insights of it. it looks like it's pre professionally run kind of product. Is there much of a market for it? Like there's, there's a big coaching market out there. I mean, there's a huge number. But really, of people. how many people coach in New Zealand? Well, I'm not talking New Zealand. I'm in America, no, but like right? if, you know, like I mean, like uh, I'm sure you'll get a level of athlete who just wants to upskill themselves. But you know, like, I'm, like. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, no, in terms of the number, like, let's switch that around. The number of people that go and do an Ironman, how many of them have a coach, percentage-wise? And I've got absolutely no idea what the number is, but I'd be very surprised if it was more than 50%. And so there's a massive market out there for people to have coaches, and WTC's angle is, you know, if you're going to be investing so much time and effort into an Ironman, then a coach is going to help you to basically... You know, try to do a better job of it and not make a lot of the... Well, no, I suppose my point years. is if you're going to do an online product, your market should probably be... Like what WTC are doing, and, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the next step, is they are thinking, okay, where do we make profit from our current base? Mm-hmm. And so they're going, okay, well, they need coaches, so how can we provide a solution that can bring us profit? These these online products are great because there's an initial investment of setting up, so they probably dropped quite a few thousand dollars in creating the product. But once that's done, it's just money in the bank. Mm. Like a friend of mine, Michelle Bridge, is, well, a friend of mine's probably a bit cool, but a girl I work with uh, for Les Mills is Michelle Bridges. She's now an, an icon in Australia. And she did The Biggest Loser, and she's now like a household name Watch in Australia. Watch every day. Yeah, yeah. but well, well, I've heard she's made like 20 million bucks from her online product. Mm. You know, and now I'm not sure if that's exactly true, but she's, she probably invested maybe half a million bucks in setting it up, and she sells it at 200 bucks a head, and just once it's set up, it just ticks over. Now, there's obviously ongoing costs, but she's made a lot of money from this product. Mm. WTC, this is a similar type of product. So they've invested, they probably invested, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred K in setting it up. Um, and the idea is that, you know, it's an online product. Once it's set up, they can move on. It's just kind of, there'll be a level of servicing to it, but it's pretty minimal in comparison to the, the initial investment of time and, and resource. But this, the coaching isn't really the big market. The big market is the athlete. So mm. if we look at what Maca did with his Maca X, that was a really good idea because what he does is he said, well, here's 10 workouts I do, mm. you know, and uh, I really believe that everyone should be aiming to get into the – now, he his product was really open to the whole market mm-hmm. and, you know, that's the bigger market. And I just find it interesting that, sure, there, everyone needs a coach, but A, I think most coaches out there who are already out there probably won't need this because they've already got their own service and yeah. know, I don't feel – I'm sure that these 14 hours isn't going to add that much – knowledge to them mm-hmm. um, and then secondly there will be the level of new person who comes through but is, I don't know just don't, is it it's not going to be a mass it's not going to be a massive revenue in a few no. years, as you said in terms of the number of coaches out there you know 
let's pick a number, it might be hundreds, maybe a th- maybe thousand or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of their return on that, not massive, but I'm sure that they'll have ways ongoing where they'll keep clipping the tickets. Yeah. And in terms of, it's also, I think, for them adding value to the the audience saying, right, you know, we've got a have 100,000 athletes that do Ironman around the world or Ironman <coughs> events and we'll say, right, as an added value, you know, we also offer, you know, there's also these coaches here that do this. So it's just, I don't know, maybe creating, keeping everybody within the Ironman bubble, keeping the coaches within there, keeping the athletes within there and uh, making sure they keep doing those events rather than maybe going and doing others. One thing that, 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 like, it does seem that maybe that's the path they're going towards and one thing I think that they should probably think about implementing is a level of standard of coaching. So, mm. you know, like let's say, they have so let's say because potentially it could be a, re, a really good way because you know like coaching is not um, you know fitness industry is not the biggest paying industry and so you know like for a lot of this might be a good way for coaches to actually make money and if WTC take clip the ticket but you make a good living off it then it's worth yeah. doing but then you go you might you know you might get you know me who's never done any coaching and I do this course or you might get John who's been a coach for bloody fifteen mm. years of his life well. You know, and so like at the gym, one thing they do is they have levels, you know, your levels. They have level Mm. one PT, level two, level three. And level one is, you know, they've been, you've kind of just started Mm. and they can't charge as much. Level two is maybe a little bit more kind of experience in the industry. And level three is people who you're really specializing with. So maybe if if they move forward, they have some kind of recognition of of your standard and your ability and your experience Mm. in the sport. Because, you know, if if you are going to get a John Newsom, you're you're dealing with a coach who's, the level's obviously just a lot higher. the best. Oh, I mean, Jesus. No, no but, you know, like in, in comparison yeah. to a guy who's just in the 14-hour course. Yeah. So just some thoughts. Mm. Yeah, Not going to be a life changer, but it's um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it unravels. Well, the other thing is, is how many athletes will do it just for their own interests. Right, yep. You know, because I'm sure a lot of athletes will go, well, I can self-coach myself and I could do something like this. And Yeah. You know, so... Interesting times. Uh, John's sponsor. Athlinks.com. I'm having this battle, Bevan. You know, I'm... My time's getting slower. It's age, mate. You're already now? My, my, 40 next year, aren't you? Next year, yeah. yeah. If you want to join me for my 40th, epiccamp.com for France. I've got a couple of spots left open. Are you in 40? Are you 240 when you're there? Yeah, yeah. I'm the, but the second to last day. Camp, I think uh, we're, we're going on holiday before the camp at the moment, planning that at the moment. Nice. Uh, I think we finished the camp on, I think we're it might actually be the last well, I think. Last night, actually. When are you going to be there? End of June, start of July. Um. I think the camp finishes on July the 7th. My birthday's on the 6th. So the, the last ride is a, is a short day. We're going from uh, Morzine into Geneva. It's only about 60Ks. Might be. I think you should do the BMI as your birthday. That's a good challenge. We, could, we have not done that on Epic Camp. The BMI, because like, it's the last day. So, you know, like you, you, mm. you get a bit sick. It's all good. Mm. Have you ever done a BMI? No. does not. I'm not particularly motivated to do it. But come on, Epic Camp, your birthday. We'll consider it. Oh, we'll go to the committee. Of lock consider, it in. We'll go to the committee of consideration. Committee. Scott Molina. Scott Molina, he'll be in for it. Yeah, Scott's, no, Scott's retired from Epic Camps. Oh, is he not going to do Epic Camps? So the committee has gone from, used to be Gordo, Scott and me. Yep. To you. Scott and me. Out <laughs> of me. So we'll, we'll put it to the committee. We'll have a see. meeting. It's like my weekly meeting. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, your weekly meeting. We'll see what the committee said. So it may well depend on what sort of shape I'm in at that stage of the camp. Eye up the competitors and uh, I think I've got a chance we might include it. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? 
I can't remember what we were, what we were doing. Athlinks.com. So I'm getting slower and I'm going on from Athlinks account and I looked the other day and saw this Hagley Relays. I didn't run particularly well and it was like a minute slower than what I did about five years ago. And I'm like thinking, holy moly. But the cool thing about Athlinks is you've got all your, your rivals and your people you're following on there and that's one way where you can go on and actually say, yes, I'm, maybe I'm getting slower but so is everybody else at my age and you can basically just lock into the people that maybe have done similar events for you over a number of years and you can go and write I did Ironman Lake Placid in uh, 2005, I did it in 2010 and now I'm doing it in 2015 and yeah I might be getting slower but then good old Joe Bloggs he's done it in those same years and you can actually compare how you're going so it's a, you know, a bit more age group ranking and um, stuff like that rather than getting too obsessed about your overall place yep. and finish time because we are getting slower and Melina did point out to me the other day he said like you're not you're not that old but you know athletic age comes into it athletic age for me <laughs> is quite old yeah um yeah you're so agent I've been you know since about 15 pretty much full time not full time for all of that time through but you know 25 years of pretty consistent uh when did Melina start slowing down ask him that ask him that ask what, him no, when did he start slowing down he, he wasn't taking a dig at me he was just telling me to have a bit of reality check. So athlinks.com, go on there, check out your rivals, get people linked on there, and then you can actually compare yourself a bit more apples with apples rather than comparing yourself with the people at the very front of the race. Very good. Damn those fast females. Yeah, you, you, you give up on the chick dream, John. Yeah, it's Not just yet. a part of your life. No, no. When, when was the last time you had a race where you weren't checked? Oh, kind of last year, I think I... Uh... You were checked by about a million chicks last year. No, no, sorry, the 70.3. Oh, okay. And at Taupo, at Taupo, I did get... No, you got checked. Yeah, no, I did get checked by Meredith Kessler. Yeah. And I think I might have done by Gina as what well. What about 70.3 in Auckland? Uh, no, I think I might beat all the chicks there. Okay. Seems to be 70.3, I'm okay. It, it falls, I'm sucking the big <laughs> So. <laughs> I'm thinking you're in your last couple of years of non-checked racing. Uh, I could be. Yeah, could really, be. You, you, you know, this marathon, do you think you get checked there? No, you won't get checked at the marathon. Uh, if a good chick turned up, I would. Oh, you'd have to be pretty good. We don't get pretty good chicks in New Zealand races, do no, we? No, no, there's not, yeah. Not that kind of high, high level. Yeah, it would be out of the ordinary. Although the marathon prep is not looking sharp well, at this stage. Checked, eh? Well, it's, it's, you're getting checked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not looking too sharp. Okay, athletes.com, guys. Check it out. Get in there. Remember, your job, after every race, go there, lock it in. You'll never regret it. Jumbo, questions, questions and answers. answers. There's a small sample from Texas. What's this about? Well, I just saw this posted on Twitter. Uh, Jordan Blanco actually posted this on Twitter, and it had the breakdown of slots per age group at Ironman Texas. And I think the dig was, you know, the females are getting shafted, and I've said that in the past as well. I think the females have a, a slightly harder job of this. People didn't submit this information. I chose to share it with the audience That's myself. how you roll, John. That's, that's, that's how not really a question that says it's John's info. So men's 40 to 44, there was nine slots in the that age group versus but do the you women. Have, do you have... How many entrants there were in each? Yes, in this in this here there was it's all pro rata, so it's all yeah, it's pro yeah. rata. Three hundred and ninety three men and there was nine slots. And the women's similar age group, hundred and twenty eight women, and there was only four slots done on a pro rata basis. And I saw this little post going on Facebook and I thought this comment was uh, it was quite good. Can't remember who it was from. Well it does seem unfair. I took a look at the age group men versus age group women, 40 to 44. They had nine slots and the differential between first place and ninth place was thirty two minutes. Yep. 
same women's age group, four slots, and the differential between first and fourth was for 30 minutes. So we're saying you know, the calibre was, yeah. in terms of time-wise, pretty similar. For 35 to 35 men, eight slots, and it was 36 minutes covering first through eighth. 35 to 30, 35 to 39, three slots, and the difference was 45 minutes. So in three slots, 45 minutes versus only 36. Males so, was that, so was it unfair? So males, 40, uh, males 45 to 49, seven slots, difference 22 minutes, 45 to 49, um, 22 minutes as well for the girls. So time-wise, pretty, pretty seems same. pretty fair. Yeah. And even numbers-wise, it kind of seems fair. Like, you know, if you look at the 45 to 49, 300 or 40 to 44, nearly 400 guys competed. They get nine slots. And the females, we had... 124, 128, they got four slots. So if anything, the guys got a little bit shafted. Mm. So, but no, I think as a system, it seems to actually, just doing it on a pro rata basis, you go, oh, there's pros and cons, but time-wise, seems like it's a The key, John, if you really want to get to Kona, you just got to live to 80. Yeah. (laughs) Because in the age slot of 70, pretty much above 70, only one person turned up, you got a slot. Mm. So those people are raping the system, John. (laughs) They are the ones who are cheating the system. They give a hundred percent chance. I know. That's so unfair. I don't think they should get any slots oh, at all. Those they people in the thirties, they get ruined by those people in the eighties. If you're over sixty, you shouldn't be able oh, to go to Kona. You just, you know, you're ruining the sport. Mm. Ruining the sport. We had a couple of emails and we had the discussion. Statistic last weekend. Someone asked what would be the fastest because there was a marathon time. Marathon. Young and, and they went like two thirty and two thirty two or yeah. something like that. And uh, then the question was, okay, well, what is the fastest father and son combo in Ironman race? And we got a few answers through, and there was a little bit kind of like, well, there was ones who had done it on different days. Yes, and so Peter Mills was saying it's got to be the um, Jim and Tyler Butterfield, maybe twenty five years apart but both finished seventh overall at Kona oh well I didn't know that Jim Butterfield do you know much about him no nothing no well, that's so cool. that's kind of cool they both finished really high up in the rankings but what we're more interested in is one the same race yeah because Swanee Old, Noah came back with one didn't he he did and again this wasn't quite the same race but it's still good ones so Swanee Noah was saying uh, Phil Moreau who I've met he came on one of my camps once he's done Ironman New Zealand he's been a multiple Kona athlete done 9.45 and then 10.04 in Kona and then one of his sons um, Matt who was maybe 22 or 23 did 9.45 at Ironman New Zealand now I want to know what was the difference in seconds the dad win or the son win because I tell I, you what whoever won would be given a bit of a shaft but that, again that wasn't the same year yeah I know but still so still that would be kind of cool having a sprint finish with yeah, your dad yeah old man hey you'd yeah. never live it down if your dad beat you no uh, in a sprint finish no you'd never live it down yeah so we still don't have a definitive answer here on anybody who's at, at the same race I, I said Laurie Bowden and her mother, they were both in Kona. That was probably pretty pretty reasonable. But have a think. Anybody out there, mother and daughter, father or son? And we all got Drew, Dave and Drew Scott. I put that one down. I was thinking, geez, that's got to be a pretty good yeah, combo. Yeah, Drew was a pretty good racer, wasn't he? But I don't know that he's done Ironman yet. Um, and Dave Scott's not really racing much anymore. Still does the odd half. But um, Whenever you talk to Dave Scott, he's doing a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like every time I've ever spoken to Dave... Yeah, I'm, next year's my year, but he always gets a bit injured, but that's what happens. Okay, guys, you interviewed Nathan Johnson. Um, he's uh, a blind guy, Australian Yeah, in episode 363, uh, he's a blind Ironman competitor from near Sydney. He's completed three now and will be heading to Kona for his fourth, just FYI. Um, there might be space for him on episode 480 or thereabouts, so 
Good to see. He's off to Kona. Yeah, man. That's pretty impressive. No, uh, Mark Nelson's got um, – guys, a few weeks ago you mentioned Ironman Chattanooga. It had negatively affected Louisville. That is not the case at all. Louisville sold out this year, eight months in advance. It normally does not sell out until about two weeks before. The change in time of year that it held is what made the difference in Louisville's advance sellout. Typically a very hot race mm. and uh, change the time of the season. So, guys, feel free to, when we say something incorrect, do point us out. We don't claim to be the we best never get anything wrong, wrong investigative job. journalists in the world. In fact, we're not journalists at all. We've got no training in that we're area. We're commentators. We're commentators. Yep, we're commentators. Call it as we see it. Yep. So there we go. Um, Jombo patrons. Well, you've got to do one down the bottom there, don't it? Yeah, no, but I can wing it. Okay, okay, you can do it. Right. Thank you to our patrons. You guys are all going in the draw to go to Kona with us next year in 2016. And remember... Another plug for the camp over there. I'm getting it all sorted now slowly. If you want to go for the ultimate Ironman experience, basically do an epic camp light, which isn't actually that light. You do quite a lot of training. but it leads into race week in Kona, then watch the race. Check out um, epiccamp.com. I've got the provisional sort of details up there. It's probably actually going to be a bit cheaper than what's on the price because I've uh, sorted out a couple of different things. So check it out. If you're interested, let me know because I am going to be, I've started making bookings already and it's uh, need to get numbers early. So our patrons though, that fantastic supporters of the show, Christian, the Oslo Express, Chiandler. Nice. James. From Oslo, funnily enough. That's how I came up with that well, one. Uh, who would have thought? Who would have thunk? Um, James Picker, he's Age of Danger or Hot Lips. What does he have two? Well, we had two nicknames just listed on my old sort of uh, uh, spreadsheet. So he, he I, I Age of once. Danger was uh, the original one. Love your work. I've got to remember how I came up with this. DLS. DL, what did I do? Yeah. It's a problem, John. Oh, you? that's right. Here Seth. we go. Now I've got it. Thierry Bissari. Yep. He sent in a picture as well. Remember, all you patrons, if you haven't sent in a picture yet, yeah, it's flick them in because we've got a page on uh, imtalk.me under patrons and we've got all the pictures of people. Terry sent one in. He's covered in mud. He's obviously been doing a... Like a mud run? A, no, he's been more off mountain biking doing oh, like okay. an exterior type thing. And so he's covered in dirt and everything. And often you kind of think, if you're a triathlete and you go off and do sort of... Um, Multi-sport and things like that. It's kind of your, yeah, it's your dirty little secret. Yeah, your dirty little secret. So Thierry DLS Vesadi, <laughs> dirty little secret. It's also for the cricket followers. Is the DLS the um? Yes, yeah, so it's when you're watching the yeah, it is. The it is it's the replay of the technology that shows where the ball is going to go. DLS Thierry. Okay, Vesadi. oh, you do the next one because I got to do the last one. Grant, the king of swing, Richards. Nice King of Swing. Well, I've been using King of the next one here, John. One. Uh, well, how do you say that last name? Michael Morpeth. Morpeth. Well, I did a search for Morpeth. It's a mm. place in England. Oh yes. And what did you see? Lots of castles. Yeah. Because that's what happens in England. And so I had Michael, the King of the Castle, Morpeth. Uh, nice. So there we go. Love your work. Okay, guys. So if you want to be a patron, uh, we really support the. Uh, we really appreciate the people who actually are patrons of the show and you just go to www.imtalk.me if you enjoy the show if it's a highlight of your triathlon week and it's a part of your training regime uh, a few dollars our way really helps us do what we do so we really appreciate the people who have done that and uh, we appreciate that you maybe want to do that yourself and if you do the 10 bucks a month you get one of our awesome I Am Talk swim caps and they are the good ones man I've been wearing mine now regularly swimming and good thick silicon caps none of those crappy thin rubbery stuff these are good quality caps definitely okay jumbo sponsors 
Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extremeendurance.com. Your lactic buffer. And, and our, our patrons. patrons. Okay, John, what's your goss? What is my goss? Just getting ready for Kona, really. Uh, still dealing with my calf injury, getting a little bit overexcited in terms of the training. Went out and did a bit too much and blown it out uh, about back to heart, back to back to the early days. So mm. I'm going to be struggling with this one for a while. It's so pretty frustrating. But on the upside, enjoying being back on the bike a bit more and uh, doing getting back into my swimming. Oh, so you picked the triathlon? Oh. Oh, yeah. what are you doing there? Yeah, what am I doing here? And then off to Kona in two days' time. Looking forward to hitting that Cory Club lounge, as always. You always go five hours early, don't you? Five hours early. Yep. Got, <laughs> Maximise uh, your investment. Doc, Dr. Feelgood Dave Dwan will be up there as well. Does um, he get to go into the club with you? He is. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, uh, and also Tim McClurg and all the crew that are coming over to Kona. So it should be good times. I'll make sure I get some interviews from over there. So looking forward to that. Always good times getting to Kona. Okay, good times, rock and roll. Um, Got two, had two losses in the soccer at the weekend. Oh, what happened? God, I know the kids just didn't play very well, and the other teams were a bit bigger. Anybody got any tips on dealing with a overcompetitive child, i.e., my son, not others? Uh, he's just too competitive. It's just ridiculous. But is he a kind of kid when he loses? How does he? Oh, he's it? a terrible, a terrible loser. Uh-uh. He's a kid who will pick up the monopoly board, and throw it up in the air. <laughs> I'm not playing anymore. God, it's hard I heard he got, he got it from someone in his family. <laughs> Were you like that as a kid? Yeah, man. Because <laughs> I remember you saying that about yourself on the show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't act like that anymore. You've learned to deal with it. So yes, and luckily we didn't have any park too many parking issues this week at the <laughs> soccer fields. Thankfully, so somebody's been listening. To my advice. We might be there this week. I'm Bloody not quite well, sure. We might, what we're thinking about doing is going there every week. Yeah. <laughs> John Bo, uh, what's my guy? Went to Mad Max. When's your TV show coming out? Anytime soon? No, well, it's, all, it's, it's just like it's snail pace, John Bo. Snail pace. It would be next year if anything, and maybe even after that. Like, that's how slow it works. Mm. So we're putting the proposal together, and uh, put proposal together. Got some feedback that we need to tweak a few things before we actually put it to the networks. So we're working on that, and then, um, and then God knows, John Bo, I could mm. be. Uh, the next big thing. Oh, the next. You're a master chef or something. Get your name out there. I can cook. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the guy. Uh, there'd be the worst. There's a guy I know who did um, master chef in New Zealand. Young guy, and he, he he shouldn't have been on the show. Like he wasn't actually good enough. Mm. And he was like out in the first week, and, I, and it was it just made him look really bad. Yeah. You know, and I think if you're going to go on a program like that, you have to have some level of skill. Mm. And for me to go on a program like that. Where's the, where's the can opener? Yeah. <laughs> that would be my first question. Tonight we're having spaghetti for entrees. <laughs> spaghetti with cheese. <laughs> pizza from Pack and Save Maine. That's right, bit of cheese on top. And these funny little things that come in wrappers with an M on the side that's of them right. for dessert. That's right, that's right, perfect. So, um, no, I won't be definitely doing MasterChef. Uh, what's my goss? Um, daughter turns 18. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. 18 years ago, do you know what I was doing? John? <laughs> Crap in my pants. You'll be a granddad within the next three, two or three years, won't you? Well, based on my family. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. That would be pretty funny. I, I, I the granddad factor doesn't bother me. I yeah. think granddad's going to be the best part. Yeah. Because granddad, come around. Granddad, by the time you're 40. My mum my was in with Nana at 37. <sighs> so we rolled with my family. Yeah. My mum could be a great nana. My mum's only 57. Yeah. She could be a great nana by 57. That's how we rolled with my family. She could be She could be a great great before she dies. Yeah, my, my daughter had a great great. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter had a great great until she was like seven. 
great Nana Clark. Great Nana Clark had a stroke <laughs> quite young in life. So she always had half the face. She was like the Joker or like the two face. <laughs> and she was a good, she was a lovely lady and you could give a shit about it. And uh, it was always funny because trying to kiss her, it was always a bit of, as a kid, it was a really traumatic experience. <laughs> oh, good times. Okay, Jombo, that's uh, pretty much this week's show. Let's lock it off. Guys, remember to look out for um, Legends. We'll get it out in the next week or so. There will be an auction for a wetsuit on there if you're in the UK or in the States. We've just got Northern Hemisphere stuff going at the moment. So check it out. And so wait, you're keen of UK as well? Yep, UK and the States. So guys, it's a bloody good interview. So listen up, Dan Enfield. Okay, check, check, check it out. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.